inside the Isaiah Simmons Podcast. I'm Trevor Sycamore. With me is Benjamin Solak, and we are here for the next 30 minutes to marvel at the absolute freak that is Clemson, linebacker, safety, defender, corner, edge rusher, offensive line, line, back, wide receiver, tight end, split end, fullback, Earth's greatest weapon, complete alien, Area 51 escapee, Isaiah Simmons. Isaiah Simmons... Measured in at six four two thirty eight. Yes. Came around the next day, ran a four three nine combo a four three nine forty yard dash. Just the third linebacker ever to crack four four. Shout out to the guy on Twitter that after I said that said that Patrick Willis ran a four four. Yes, thank you. I said crack four four. Fun fact about Patrick Willis, in case you didn't know. Runs the four three nine, proceeds to jog his way back to his stuff, throw his hood on, hop on Twitter, put the spice back on. Hop on Twitter, yeah. tweet with no words, just the gif of the coach going, tell him to pay me my money. <laughs> and then the camera cuts to him, and he's like, I'm leaving, and then he's done he for the rest out. of the day. He walks out. Look, Isaiah Simmons, heroicism. Uh, Any way you slice it, and there's a lot of different ways to slice it, but because we've talked about all the things that he can do, athletically, he certainly proves it at the Combine. Obviously, guys, this is the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. I'm Trevor. And this Isaiah Simmons is the entire draft at this point. So We're sitting here talking about the Combine. We are three days in now. Got one more day of on-field drills. And right now for this episode, we're going to marvel at that linebacker defensive line group. And I guess, you know, we really will just start with it, with Isaiah Simmons. There wasn't really anything that this guy did that was less than the 90th percentile in terms of athletic scores right. for a linebacker. Anybody who's playing in the middle of the field. Now, I'm sure it would dip probably into the 80s if you brought up defensive backs and things like that. But... I think of the Combine, we knew Isaiah Simmons was a freak, but it's fun to confirm it yes. and just know that, hey, all of those possibilities that you had for Isaiah Simmons, like, hey, can he play in the slot? Can he play a little man coverage action? What can he do in range on the back end as a potential safety? All that kinds of stuff, he can do it. He well, can do all of it. It's cr- And you say, like, we knew he was a freak, but it's, it's fun to confirm it. It's also important to confirm it. Because people have called Auburn defensive tackle Derek Brown a freak athlete. People have said that. I'm pretty sure I've said that. Derek Brown did not test like a freak athlete. No. At all. No. Right? And so it is, obviously, did we have like three cones and short shell for Simmons? Have we seen the breadth of his athleticism tested? No, we haven't. And I don't blame him because when you have great jumps and when you have a great 40, you proved you're a great linear athlete. Why bother screwing around with a three cone or a short shuttle that generally seem to disappoint when it comes to elite athletes? More on that later. With Derek Brown, wow, I feel I'm writing about that early next week. Oh, okay. Yeah, the, the 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 agility times really are just becoming. You could just like, throw in "Don't touch that dial," and that would have been, you know, I don't know. We, we could have gone a commercial break right uh, there. I don't know. Oh, like because of like radios. radio. Because yeah, you because yeah, yeah, okay. you said more on that later. So yeah. that was just a very good broadcast transition. What know? can I say? Now, what a with, natural with Derek Brown, you have a player who clearly won several plays, many of his highlight plays, and in his final in his final season with his athletic ability. He comes in and he runs an official 5.16. His 10-yard split is a 1.73. Those are fine. Vertical jump, 27. Broad jump, 9-foot flat. Those are not very good. Short shuttle, 4.79. Three-cone, 8.22. The worst three-cone of any defensive tackle that tested this so year. So here's the thing, too. Uh, the 8.22, fourth worst time in combine history. Any position. Fourth worst. This is bad. And objectively, as a fun note, there were individuals... Not among this podcast, but among us, hmm. who tried to comp Derek Brown and Fletcher Cox 
who ran like a 7-1-1-3 cone. It was one of the best times, I think the best time in the history of the defensive tackle position at the Combine. Yeah. That comp never made any sense. How dare you never just besmirch Fletcher Cox's name like that again. But so like Derek Brown, with Simmons, elite athlete on tape, elite athlete on film, and everybody says, okay, well, there's no way he falls past the Giants at four. No. Just because he confirmed what he's, what you saw on film doesn't push his stock really that much any higher, in my opinion. Everybody thought Simmons was this player. They still think he's this player. He's no more so a lock at four than he was three days ago. Derek Brown. There's no way the, you know, whatever, freaking like, oh, Cardinals pass on him at eight. Jaguars pass on him at nine, right? It's, you know, as a hypothetical. He doesn't have has this bad athleticism. Oh, maybe Derek Brown fall to top ten. I still think no. Every year we I think come, so, yeah, no, yeah. I think no as well. Every year we come into the combine and we say don't overreact, and every year the combine happens, we overreact. Derek Brown is still clearly a very, very good football player who, as I said, many of his best plays are a result of elite athletic ability, maybe near elite athletic ability, maybe we were exaggerating. Derek no. Brown is still the best defensive tackle in this class. Derek Brown is still one of the top players in this class, and just because he had bad testing doesn't change that. So confirm or not confirm, it is fun to see Simmons run that fast. But Simmons, Brown, they're still really good players, exactly where they were a couple days ago. Yeah, I have I have some uh, some thoughts on Brown here, and this is just from talking people who are, are very close to yeah, I'll just say very close to like how Brown played at Auburn over the last couple of right. years, and and they have said and, and confirmed that this guy is absolutely one of the most talented defensive players that they've ever been around. Right? I mean, mm-hmm. like that that has been confirmed even for the guys that I've talked about. But um, even the the people who have praised him highly, there is there is a source that I've talked to about this that says, hey, you know what? He's probably going to struggle his first year. And, I, and when I heard that the first time, I was like, oh, really? Like, well, why? why do you think that? And he's like, well, Derek Brown's never been challenged, like, in his life, when it comes to football. I mean, yeah. he just hasn't. I mean, like, the dude's, the dude's incredible. Whenever he has put his all into the sport, he's been able to dominate no matter what. Therefore, hasn't really had to care about technique that much. Hasn't really had to care about perfecting where his hands are, how he gets down and into his stance, and how he maintains leverage, and all these kinds of things like that. And... When I watch you on tape, and then I watch you put up the fourth worst three-cone time in combat history, I don't think you trained for that drill. That's exactly what it is. I right? don't think you trained yeah. for it. And, and if you watch the 40, okay? Watch him on the 40. Pops Pop, up. Pops straight up. It happens in his tape all the time. Derek Brown's going to get to the NFL. He's not going to have the technique to fall back on. And when grown-ass men get in his face and start bullying him a little bit, he's not going to have that tape there. Now, yeah. that's not to say... That he's going to get dominated, or he's a bust of a prospect, or Trevor anything like that. Just said Derek Brown's a bust on this podcast. Never said that. It like is, was explicit. All I'm saying is he's a bust. No, I'm <laughs> not saying that. All I'm saying is that there is a lot to like in Derek Brown, but you might not get that right away his first year. Sure, he has to hone in on the correct technique. He's got to be able to, to to hone in on mastering the position, if you will. If he's going to get that much effort out of him. That guy's tape is way too good to put up that three-cone time. Like, that is, there's no, there is no excuse for that. Right. I just don't think he trained for the drill. No, it's a, it's a really... And so, yeah, that's that's what I think going into his first year as a pro. Don't be surprised if Derek Brown struggles, but also don't give up on him yet. Because he's going to get pushed back probably for the first time in his life. And you know why? It's because he's that good. Mm-hmm. And so, at that point, it's going to become a, how's he going to respond? And right. I think that a lot of people are still betting on him in that regard. But I'm just telling you guys that this is probably a reality that might happen with Derek Brown. 
This sounds like a sick article with film clips. At Tampa Bay, Trey? No, I can't do it. Senior NFL draft analyst for the Draft Network. Uh, no, but anyway, I think I'm right. I think the the point of you know, so like film and analytics go against each other sometimes, right? The combine in which it produces like data points on a player's athleticism, correct, would fall from an analytics into an analytics sphere. For us to say, listen, if you watch the film on his 40, right, it's already, like, a little bit silly. But, like, you see, like, oh, if you watch Derek Brown run the 40, you see that he doesn't have great technique. He probably could be faster. We don't get film of his three-cone. Maybe we could watch the three-cone and be like, yeah, I mean, his technique sucks. But extrapolating from the film of his 40, which, again, is, like, a weird sentence, right, worse number than we thought, and he seems like he didn't have great testing technique on the drills that we saw. It's not difficult to extrapolate that he is off of the breadth of his film and then what we saw from his televised combine, a more fluid athlete than an eight two two three cone would indicate. Right. So what do you right. do with that number? You you take it, you're aware of it, you put it off to the the side, it's still there, but you leave it there and you say, What do we have from a film perspective? And this is why film is critical. What do we have from a film perspective to contextualize these numbers? And then you also have to turn around and say, what does this mean for him from a developmental perspective? There's a lot of context with, in yeah. with combine numbers for everything. And there's also kind of underlying situations that we might not know of um but i think i really do think that everything that happens here in indianapolis are hints but they might not be the end all be all or the be all end all whatever you want to call it end all be all be all end all and all be all all be all end to all be (laughs) start a b up down start uh but they are i think hits or hints no matter how you look at it and so i think that these might be some little hints which okay then let's Look at it from this perspective. A player who, like, I, w- I would say a player who had the natural athleticism, but probably tested really, really well and even better than we antici- anticipated because of a work ethic thing and because of a technique thing. Like, the example that pops out to my mind is Denzel Mims, who I think is a good athlete, but I think he was a lot better of an athlete than we thought he was going to be. Well, and Mims, notoriously, is just really, really a hard worker in the weight room. And so he probably really took to training and thereby got. You know, a six 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 three cone mm-hmm. Satan's number that he shouldn't have necessarily gotten off of his film. The Denzels because lettuce. he just <laughs> I was like that was really funny. <laughs> That's what we're calling it from now on because of the three cone time. Anyway, so he probably got better numbers than you expected of a player like him. You know who's like that? Who? Chris Godwin. I think we brought this up on right. a, on a couple of podcasts ago, or maybe it was a different radio hit that I was doing. I can't remember. They're all bleeding together at this point. But Godwin, there were a lot of people who were Godwin fans. Me. Then Godwin shows up the combine and puts up numbers that I, we didn't. I, I mean, like even the biggest Godwin stands were like, "Holy cow, you ran that!" Like he ran that fast. Right. I didn't. You didn't see that on tape, and you really don't. Godwin plays at probably like a gear less than maybe what he ran the top speed. But what that tells you with the combine is not only does he have the have the ceiling of athleticism to hit it. Right. He worked hard to make it happen. He did. And that's, I think, again, we talked about that right there. Hints of what guys could right. be because and we who are would, not who, who would judging. Not want a hard worker? We are not judging players mm-hmm. on what they are right now. You are judging them for what you think they can be once they get to the NFL. Sure. That's what our entire industry is about. That's why you guys listen to this podcast. And I think all of those things are little hints about it. we got to move on to somebody else, though, because there's some other guys we want to hit. Um... William. Willie Gay. Willie Gay. Dude. He's got tree trunks. Greatest linebacker athlete. Isaiah Simmons could get out. Dude. <laughs> dude. Why would you draft Isaiah Simmons top five? You when he's Willie Gay top ten. 100%, dude. That's what I've said all along. 
So Willie Gay, Mississippi State linebacker. And why haven't you heard about him? Well, because he only played a few games this year. Why did he only play a few games this year? Well, Willie Gay was very transparent during his media availability. Uh, team suspension. Why did you have a team suspension, Willie? Because I punched a, t- a teammate in the face. Shout out Gary Schrader. You probably should not be punching teammates in the face, Willie. Dude, he's talking, probably yeah, talking he's that smack, dude. Now, sometimes you just got to hit a teammate. Am I 100% against the what idea? What a better way to command the locker room, though. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Am I 100% against the idea of drafting a defender who's willing to punch his own team's quarterback in the face because of how much he hates offensive players? No, I'm not. Dude, if there's if, if there's any position where a guy like that would be playing where you'd like want him to play, where is it? Linebacker. No, linebacker. Linebacker. It's like uh it's like um uh somebody we were watching that said last night, it's like this is if Vontez Perfect ran a whole half second faster. No. Now Vontez Perfect is way too far into the I hate offensive players, I hate everybody sort of spectrum. But that degree of like glass eating, nasty at middle linebacker, yeah. super physical player. The other thing Willie Gay did is he cheated on a chemistry test. And once again, am I one hundred percent against the idea of having a guy who just wants to play football and really does not want to study for a chemistry test in what he knows to be his final season of college? for Andrews in the NFL. No, I'm not, right? So Willie Gay, you don't, we haven't really talked that much about him because he didn't really play that much this year. Right. So he didn't have the full breadth of a season to accumulate numbers that put him onto our radar. Haven't heard a, a ton of stuff about his tape. Excited to go back and watch it. But what were his numbers? William Gay comes in at 243. It's six foot one, which is solid. Yeah. He solid. runs 446 official in the 40. Insane. Don't have a 10 yard split for him. Um, but the vert 39.5. Insane. Bananas cream pie. 11 4 in the broad. A 4-3 short shuttle and a 7-0-8-3 cone at his size are also both delightful numbers. Now, I will say, watching on the on-field drills, it's pretty clear this guy prefers straight lines to angles, right? And when they're working the the hip mobility drills uh, with, with the zigzag drops and then having to, to react to which direction they want you to finish in, it's not his best drill. This is going to be a guy who you want to put at Mike and let him run sideline to sideline downhill, very much in the mold of Kenny, Kenneth Murray in terms of how you want to get them on the field. Might mm-hmm. be a guy that you blitz more than you drop into coverage because yes. he's not necessarily right. as great in angles. Right. But Kenneth Murray, who like you know ran a four five two, obviously had the hamstring pull, but like he's checking first round boxes. Willie Gay, from an athleticism perspective, is checking early round pick boxes. Now you got to go back to the film, and you also have to continue to parse some of the off field stuff because I can sit here and say to you, okay. He punched a team in the face. That's pretty bad. He cheated on chemistry test. I don't really care. But is that his line? Like, if there was something that was worse, would he not do it? Is he just like a guy who punched teammates in the face and that's it? Because that's a really slippery slope. So you do have to look into what the off-field stuff is. But in terms of garnering attention with your testing, you know, Willie Gay did not have a really good final season because of the off-field stuff. He lessened his stock accordingly. This is how you get yourself back on the on the on the rails here yeah. a little bit. Yeah. He was he killed every test that he put out there. And not for nothing, but with both Kenneth Murray and Patrick Queen going down with hamstring pulls after their forties, there was a gap. And and Isaiah Simmons choosing not to finish testing, there was a gap of linebackers by the end you know what i mean murray queen simmons they're not running drills right. they can't the two of them can't one of them's deciding not to staying on no numbers willie gay then fills that gap of like who's testing out of his mind maybe gay would have been the third fourth best tester if those guys kept testing but they didn't and then gay has probably the most impressive combine in the linebacker group stepping into that goal, that gap so he raised his stock a ton with yeah. his performance in indy no i think he did too uh before kenneth murray went down i thought he had a good day too he had some really really good jumps uh, four five two, I believe, forty yard dash is what he finished with. Really like Kenneth Murray. I, I did a write up on him over at the Draft Network after his podium, and and 
you know, even beyond the the cool story of him saving that one woman's life from knowing CPR and running over and doing all that. I mean, like this kid, relentless worker, yeah. right? We just heard, talked about that with Denzel Mims, guys like Chris Godwin. He's a kind, he's the kind of player that that you would prioritize in the draft and bet on to be as good as he could possibly be. And I, I think that's Kenneth Murray, even though he might not be. Um, Super fluid in, in certain linebacker movements. He is what you said there, more of a downhill linebacker. He's right. more of a, a, a heat-seeking missile, if you will, for when wherever the ball is. you look at the way this dude is built, and you're like, I, I just want you to run forward. Like, and that's what he you, does. Maybe you could cover guys, but I just all it takes is one look at you and move, and I'm like, I just want you to hit it. And dude. that's why I think you know he's not going to be a top 15 pick. I don't think uh, that'd, be, that'd be a little early if a team decided to bet on him there, but... He is a fourth-year player. He was a big-time team leader. He had lofty goals and aspirations. He wanted to be the uh, the fifth Dick Buckus Award winner for Oklahoma. He strived to do that. He had he, he had that written on his eye black every single game. He said he watches Ray Lewis highlights before every game. You know, he talked about watching five to six hours of film every single day. He broke down how early he gets up and how prepared he is. I think this guy could absolutely be a back end of the first round player, maybe even top twenty player. If we're talking about a team like the Raiders at nineteen, right? Or the Raiders at eighteen, or maybe even Jaguars at nineteen. So, um, other defensive linemen. Let's pop back to the defensive linemen because I felt like it wasn't that impressive of a day, but there were some other guys that that were able to stand out. You were looking at Curtis Weaver's numbers, right? Yeah, which Weaver tested with linebackers. He tested. In the oh, okay. Sorry. Nine. I will say a moment to shout out. I'm not sorry. Your boy, our boy, my boy, the boy. Khalil Davis, who had himself... Firstly, listen up, folks. The people should have known had they read the piece. He was going to sprint this well. This is why you read the draftnetwork.com. We have the information. Okay, We have the technology. Khalil Davis and Carlos Davis, all right? Two brothers. The, the only two to run and have the weight-adjusted explosive scores that they did... The other two people, other than the Davis brothers? Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald. Wait, give me, let me get the other one. Is this a defensive tackle? Yes. Donald. Grady Jarrett. No. Frick. No. Well, Frick. No. Okay, who is it? Ed Oliver. Oh, Ed Oliver. There are that four players who have the weight-adjusted explosiveness scores that How the Davis... How just great guess Grady Jarrett and not guess Ed Oliver? I don't know. That's very disappointing. That's it. And if you read the Draft Network, you read my story on them, you already knew that they have the track background and these dudes got the juice. Yep. I thought they did a great job of putting themselves on a national stage. Was super happy for them. Couldn't be better dudes either. Right. Now, to the point of like some of the agility testing, Khalil Davis, who looked great in the hoop drill, right, which was a drill that was made for him. He's super low to the ground. He's got good quickness, good flexibility. Doesn't run a three-cone, doesn't run a short shuttle. Right, and I'll be curious to see if he does it in Nebraska and kind of what favorable times he gets there at their pro day. But from a linear perspective... Uh, uh, a four seven five forty is just flat out impressive for a guy who's three hundred eight pounds. It's the one six six ten yard split, which was one of, if not the best time I believe among the defensive linemen. Nope, Alton Robinson hit him a one six five. James Smith one six two. But Khalil Davis, potentially the best ten yard split for a guy who's yeah. Playing. But wait, who was the other guy? It was Alton Robinson who? James Smith Williams and uh, Jabari Zuniga all had better ten yard splits than him. Yeah, okay. But Davis outweighs him by forty yeah, pounds. Davis is the, <laughs> Davis is the only one who's pl- who's playing permanently he's on the like inside. Three hundred three, you know. Three oh eight, right? So that explosiveness and that get off, coupled with what you're seeing on film from a change of direction perspective, is really exciting. If you're the sort of, I think with Davis, nobody's expecting you to take him on day two yet. 
But if you're the sort of team that has a Grady Jarrett as one of your primary pass rushers, has Ed Oliver as one of your primary pass rushers, or if you've already got tweeners on your roster and you just want to be able to bring in a guy on third down who's as quick as a three technique gets, Khalil Davis makes a ton of sense for you. And, and, and he was really powerful at the Shrine Bowl, didn't get the Senior Bowl call-up, call which was disappointing, but with these numbers, proving he's an NFL caliber player. So he had a big day. Um, uh, Justin Matabuke, I think, I, 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 I a bit have a have a sensation of Justin Matabuke being like, this is the droid you're looking for. Like, like Jordan Elliott, Ross Blacklock, mm-hmm. uh, Marlon Davidson. Mm-hmm. These are not the droids you're looking for. Matabuke is just... Wait, timeout. Don't throw Marlon Davidson in there. I will. Marlon Davidson's prospect one, okay? <laughs> no, he's not. Chase Young could never have that kind of podium presence. He probably he did it, certainly didn't know. I know. Did. Had the opportunity to. But like I so when, when Matabuki had his combine, I posted on Twitter, you know, a, Actually Willie Gay could. Yeah, okay. Willie Gay, prospect one, Marlon Davidson prospect one. Anybody else prospect one? No, I'll get back to you. Okay. When Matabuki had the day that he had on uh, running at the combine, I posted our consensus defensive tackle rankings, starting at Ross Blacklock at 34, Matty Buki's at 36, and he's followed by guys like Marlon Davidson at 78, Little Merchantson at 97, Devon Hamilton 93, Jordan Elliott at 116. There's so much buzz given to some of those names I just listed, and Matty Buki just has better film, and then he came out and had really good testing as well. So Matty Buki running at uh, 293 pounds, yep. a little bit smaller. Uh, one, 483 with a 17310. Which he played at, by the way. I yep. want to say that. A lot of people, like Ben was one of the people who, who thought he might be around, what, 300, 305, yes. something like that, because that's what Texas A&M had him listed as. Right. But he played in the 290s. He actually said, I, I played around 290. So if you saw him on the field this year and, and saw what you saw and believed that he was at 300, just letting you know, what you saw was what he came in at the combine with. So that wasn't like water weight where when you look at the athletic testings here in Indianapolis, you go, okay, well, he doesn't really play at that weight, so it doesn't matter. Yes, it does. That's around what he played right. at. Then he puts up 31 on the bench, doesn't participate in jumps, but he does want run a 7-3-1 three-cone, which was the second best time out of the defensive line group, only beaten by John Grenard, who is literally 30 pounds his inferior. Grenard, by the way, had himself a good day. I like Grenard's film. I like Grenard's testing. I'm in on John Grenard. Yeah, people were kind of like disappointed on John Grenard. Like, his numbers were fine, man. 7-1-3 in the three-cone, 4-3-4 like, in the short shuttle, 30.5 and 9-5 in the vert and the broader, not necessarily the greatest numbers, but he did have a 1-7-1-10 yard, which is delightful. And 34 and 7-8 inch arms are a big deal yeah. for a player who, who's so good at rushing a two-way go. Man, so yeah, I, like, I really do. I yeah. think you should be encouraged by Grenard's yeah, yeah. combine. But anyway, so it's to say... Matabuki to me is the tier two, and I I would say I have Neville Gallimore as like a one a, one B sort of a guy, right? So like Derek Brown and Jordan, Javon Kendall at the top. Gallimore is a clear three. Once we get into tier two, and people like Ross Blacklock and they like Jordan Allen, they like Marlon Davidson. My guy is Justin Matabuki out of, out of A&M. I think he's the best film of all four, and I think he had uh, testing that affirmed the athleticism that you saw. I'm in. Like, Justin Matabuki, to me, is that guy. He just doesn't get a ton of run for some reason. Yeah. Um, speaking of Neville Gallimore, because you brought up his name there, only the third player in Combine history to run the number that he did. 479. 479. So a sub-4840. Sub at plus three hundred pounds. Sub four seven forty, sir. No, sub four eight. You're right. Yeah, right. I can do math. Big math. I was confused because he also ran a sub one seven ten yard, which so, is huge for him. Yeah. So huge. these uh, only the third player ever to do that at plus three hundred yeah. pounds. Now 
his size profile and athletic profile working. But if there's going to be a case, it's going to be a guy with the film like he has. I, I don't... I'm, I'm hugging my laptop. I know you are because I'm, this is your boy. You wanted him to well, be good. And this is the thing is like, you don't want to get too attached to players. And I really liked his 2018 film and the 2018 film was not as good, but it was fine, whatever. In terms, like this is like the conflict that I think you have as a general manager and a, as, a, as a shot caller for a team. I know his athletic profile does not project to NFL success frequently. But given what you know about him from an intangible perspective and from a film perspective, this is the sort of guy you get so tempted at taking the risk on. And that's that's the conflict that you have when you're in the war room. So, like, you say he's not going to go round one. I don't. Pro- I really probably, don't. He probably isn't. Yeah. But there's going to be hard conversations. I think starting, like, as early as 17 for the Cowboys. I think he benefits... Man, I, that's just still too early like, for me. I think like, he benefits from an edge class that right. isn't that strong at the top. Right, like I, my thing is like I want you to go stand in front of Sean McDermott at twenty-two, given the success McDermott had with Mario Addison with Shaq Lawson, and be like, you shouldn't draft AJ Epinesa because he didn't run a good forty. And Sean McDermott would be like, I, this, I've won with this profile player before, and I can do it again. You do it with the Patriots who had Trey Flowers in the building, right? Like that's those are hard sells for those teams who I think are going to value a guy who at 6'5 and 275 is not the best athlete among the edge class, but ran good enough numbers that you can excuse what he did. And he has really great film to match. He has tremendous intangibles. He's just very, oh man, slotting him is going to be a nightmare for the next two months as we you know move fully into mock draft season. Ben's going to lose sleep over this. That's the, uh, yes, that's, the that, that, that's the takeaway here. All right, one more day. We got one more day of on-field drills, the, the defensive backs. Mm-hmm. We're going to see some guys fly in all of these drills, whether it's the agilities or the jumps or the long speed or the whatever it is. I think that there is a very good defensive back group that's about to take the field in Indianapolis, and we're going to see some guys separate themselves from first-rounders, second-rounders, third-rounders, even those gems in the later part of the draft. It's going to be fun. Until then, you guys keep it locked right here on Locked on NFL Draft.